those of you tuning in to Facebook this morning, uh, several in the congregation read from Jonah chapter 1. And earlier we read uh, Jesus' words that Jonah being in the, the belly of the fish was a type of him being in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. This might seem to people as a strange passage on Easter Sunday, but the burial of Jesus is necessary for the resurrection of Jesus. The burial was not just an unnecessary link between his death and resurrection, but a very important part of the gospel. For remember the words in 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures and was buried and rose again the third day. So Paul says the Gospel not only is that Jesus died for our sins and was risen, but that He was buried. And you think how what truth, what Gospel truth could be conveyed by burial? Well, hopefully we'll consider that uh, as we go through this passage, Jonah was a, a picture prophecy of the Lord Jesus. He was a type. A type is that which uh, prophesies something about redemption, about the gospel, about saving truth. A type can be a person or an action. So every, for instance, every prophet, priest, and king were types of Jesus Christ. For Jesus has all three offices combined in himself. Prophet, priest, and king. As prophet, he preaches God's will to us. As priest, he offers himself for our sins and mediates between God and men. As king, he conquers us in salvation and protects us from all our enemies. And so every Old Testament prophet, priest, and king was a picture of Jesus in their office or offices. But we have here an action that Jesus said was a picture prophecy of himself. The Pharisees were asking for signs and wonders as if they would would be omnipotent ways in which people's hearts would be touched and people would be saved. And Jesus was not on earth to merely satisfy people's whims. He was not an entertainer. His miracles were on purpose to point people to himself for salvation. And he says he's not going to give these Pharisees a sign except for what they've already, they should have already considered, a sign of the prophet Jonah or Jonas. For as he was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so Jesus will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And that's found in Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 to 39. 
So Jonah as a prophet was already a type of Christ in that Jonah was preaching to Israel the word of God, telling them what the will of God was. And then he ended up preaching to the Ninevites, a Gentile city, to Gentiles the word of God, the will of God, and the judgment of God, for instance. But Jesus said in particular that he was a type in the way that he was buried, the length of his burial, but we also need to recognize the fact that he preached. It wasn't just that he was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, but that afterwards he went preaching and the city was converted and God used his preaching after his resurrection, we might say. Now, it really is irrelevant whether Jonah died or didn't die. People argue on both sides. But may I say to you that when the mariners cast him overboard, he was considered dead. I don't know if you've ever been in 20 or 30 foot swells on the Mediterranean Sea or in the ocean, but I don't know if the mariners waited for the the uh, the, the, the trough, threw him down in the trough. He probably would have, you know, people have died. I, I uh, read a, an account of a helicopter that went to, in a in a hurricane out on the North Atlantic went to try to rescue someone that was in a sailboat and it was 50 foot swells and you know how um, there are planes with with fuel and big long um, hoses that will that will uh, fill airplanes or helicopters in order that they can get out to and then get back. Well, the wind was so contrary that they could not hook up the hose to the to the helicopter hose. Um, and they were afraid that the hose was going to get stuck on the on the uh, blades of the helicopter and both parties would die. And so they scratched it and the helicopter knew they were going to have to ditch. And uh, everyone survived actually but one, and they felt like the one that didn't survive actually dropped what they, they would try to time their jumps when the swell came up, not when there was a trough because it was 50 feet down, like falling 50 feet off a building down to the concrete. Well, I don't know if the mariners waited for a swell to cast out Jonah, but they figured he was as good as dead. So the point, that's the point that Jonah was in a watery grave at least and, and, and really we would count the belly of the fish as a grave for Jonah for he was there three days and three nights. But Jesus was dead. There's no doubt that Jesus was dead uh, in the heart of the earth for the centurions were well-equipped to consider, to know whether someone was dead or alive. And the Bible says that Jesus committed his spirit to God. So to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for believers and for Jesus. And we all know the Bible teaches in James that when a person dies, his spirit goes. 
So it's not necessarily when there's no pulse, but when the spirit, the soul, leaves the body, that's when the body is dead. And may I say, even if there was a pulse, if the soul's gone, the body's dead, and it certainly is going to die very quickly. But this is the gospel of Jesus according to the burial of Jonah. So his, the burial of Christ was not a meaningless intermediate event. It really begins his glorification. Some feel that the resurrection begins the glorification of Christ, the humiliation of Christ, people have said, ends with his burial. But may I consider, may, may, I, may I ask your consideration that actually the burial of Christ begins his glorification and not the resurrection. Because God performs a great miracle while Jesus is buried. You see, the sins have been paid for. He's made atonement. So right after the sins have been made, paid for, and he says, it is finished, the suffering's over. The humiliation is over. Matter of fact, it prophesies in Isaiah that his grave would be with the rich. And you remember Joseph of Arimathea was a believer and he, he allowed Jesus to borrow his tomb. It doesn't happen very often. You don't borrow graves. Well, people rent caskets now because of cremation, but people don't rent graves. You don't borrow a grave. But Jesus borrowed a grave. I don't, I don't know Joseph's heart, but I don't know if on his mind he was saying, well, I'm just going to let him borrow this for three days. I don't think that was on Joseph's mind. But he believed that this dead Christ was a saving Christ. And he, he just didn't have that dimension yet of the resurrection until after it occurred. But I imagine there were a lot of people... At, as long as Joseph lived beyond that saying, Joseph, isn't it amazing that you're the only person that ever allowed someone to borrow a grave and now you're going to be able to be laid in the same grave as the Lord Jesus Christ. So death ended his suffering. Burial begins his glorification. Jonah not only as a person, the prophet is a picture of Christ, but the action of him being three days and three nights in the belly of the fish is a prophecy, a type. And don't, don't, don't be upset when you realize that, you know, there are people, I've heard preachers say that Jonah and Jesus were, 30, were uh, 72 hours in the grave. Don't be upset that they were only 36, a little beyond that in the grave because if Jesus is 72 hours in the grave he has to die on Wednesday and we know that he died on what we call Good Friday and it was good because when, when do you ever say someone is, someone's death is good it was good because it was the death that saved you and me it was the crucifixion that saved you and me so Friday afternoon to Sunday morning you can't find 72 hours but don't worry, because three days and three nights is what we call an idiom. It's peculiar to languages. We all have peculiarities that if you try to take them literally, they just don't work. Um, 
someone's joking with me, he literally hasn't pulled my leg, but he has figuratively pulled my leg. We all have peculiarities. Every language has them. We say, I have, and I feel like it, and I do, I have a frog in my throat. The French say, I have a cat in my throat. <laughs> it's just the way it is. It's not literal, it's figurative. Um, so three days and three nights was a Hebrewism that mentioned it had to be at least one part of three days and certainly the only full day was Saturday. So he was part on Friday, part on Sunday, fully on Saturday. That satisfied it. And you can find examples in the Old Testament like in the book of Esther. Esther said to fast and pray three days and three nights. But on the third day, it says she went to the king. So it was not 72 hours, but it was a part of three days and fully the middle day. So I hope that that satisfies our curiosity. And so you've probably heard arguments that Jesus had to have died on Wednesday or they try to fit 72 hours on Thursday, but he died on Good Friday. So it couldn't have been 72 hours and it's not that the Bible is inaccurate or there's a contradiction. It's just a Hebrewism, an idiom that is, is uh, in every language. And so that is that action of him being in the, the whale's belly is uh, a picture of Christ. And I'm sure that one of these days, if I remember, I'll say, Jonah, aren't you glad you weren't there 72 hours, <laughs> that you were only there 36. And he would say to me, it's not funny, Phil. But I'd like us to look at three things uh, about the burial. And to help us remember, I'm not a slave to alliteration, but sometimes I use it. Uh, the reason for the burial the reality of the burial, and the result of the burial. So it's easy for us to remember. And the sequel will obviously be the resurrection this afternoon that we'll consider. Jesus said, and I preached this at my father-in-law's funeral in February, except a man, or sorry, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Jesus died and he was buried. The reason for the burial is obviously sin and death. Uh, we don't bury living people unless they're cruel, torturous nations. They have done that before. There was a missionary that was what they call was on a death march. And they were going to take them all to a crater, to a pit that, that they had bulldozed open. And they were going to have all these living missionaries jump into the pit and they were simply going to bury them alive. And at the last second, the Lord rescued them. The man who imagined this burial of living missionaries was the king's vice president, or whatever they're called. And, and he had had ideas of 
usurping the king's throne. And he was just simply saying, why don't you visit one of our jurisdictions? And the king just did not like the fact that he wanted him to leave the capital city. And the king just lost favor. He lost favor with the king. And the king had them simply take the man out to the elephant pit. And the man was trampled by an elephant. And someone said to the king, but he's got our, the, the missionary friends who've been very good to us on a march for their death. And they, he sent some, some, some uh, horse rider, Harold, and he got there just in time and said, halt the burial. And yet that has been something that um, nations have done. You don't bury a live person unless you're cruel and ruthless. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. So think about it. If you think of the parallel, why was Jonah buried? In a real sense, because of his sin. But because of sin, he was buried. Because of sin, we die and we're buried. Jonah was buried for his own sin. Jesus was buried for our sins. Jonah was buried for his own sins. Jesus was buried for imputed sins. He died for our sins. Jonah died for his sins. It was his rebellion that caused God to bring that typhoon to the Mediterranean Sea. So unlike Jonah, Jesus' death and burial was not for his own. But may I say, it was punitive. It was punishment, but for our sins. It was, it was substitutionary. Jonah's was a chastening hand of God. So in a sense, it was punitive. He was being punished. And in, in a real sense... If Jonah was not punished, and if Jonah had not been cast overboard, the mariners would have never survived. So think about that picture, that Jonah's death caused the, the life of the mariners. And isn't it strange how God can use, and we'll get to that, God can use something that the devil means for evil, and that something that would seem only negative, he uses it for good. And just give you a little uh, thought ahead, the mariners were idolaters until Jonah was thrown overboard. And then, then they became monotheists and they believed only in the Lord. The mariners were saved. And that was the last thought on their minds to turn from their idols to serve the living and the true God. And yet God used what the devil meant for evil and even what Jonah meant for evil for good. And it, maybe it's just an aside, but isn't it interesting how the name Jonah means dove? And where do we see a dove in the life of Jesus? The Holy Spirit descended upon him in his baptism like a dove. So there's some, certainly some similarities. And even the place of their birth. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and if you look in, in uh, first, uh, Second Kings... Jonah was born in a place very near to Bethlehem. But they're probably merely coincidences, I, I suppose. But it's interesting how the Lord would choose Jonah in this way. 
with those interesting sidelights. So again, I say that whether Jonah died or not was is irrelevant. Uh, he was considered dead. Now Jonah was wrapped in seaweed. We're told in chapter two of his of his prophecy, Jesus was wrapped in linen clothes. But it was for our sins. He was made sin for us who knew no sin. He was an offering for our sins. It was Jonah instead of the mariners. It was Jesus instead of you and me. And an interesting aside as well, and perhaps this is political justice. Do you know what the, the Hebrew word for the fish in, in, there, in that passage is? Dog or dog. And who did the Assyrians worship? The fish god, Dagon. So the word is dog or dog. It's Dagon in the Philistines, remember? Remember the fish god had a fish's, had a, had a human body but a fish's head. And when the, it fell over, the head fell off. You remember? It was beheaded and yet they still set it up and they still worshiped it later. And God used a fish, dog, dog, to swallow Jonah. And guess what? Jonah lived to tell about it. <laughs> Who won? The fish or God? Isn't there political justice in this? Isn't it amazing, the wisdom of God? He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. He'll have the heathen in derision. So the reason for the burial is his sin, death. But the reality of the burial, it was no myth. And by the way, so many people try to say, you know, try to either explain away the miracle or mock at it. Uh, we don't have to defend this by, you know, people try to talk about how there are all kinds of stories about catching these huge fish with huge things in their bellies. And, and that's true, but we don't need that. Because even if there were never any stories, for instance, there's a, there's a story of a huge fish that had a 1,500 pound fish in its belly. And I'm sure Jonah couldn't have been much more than 150 or 200 pounds. So it, it's certainly possible. But it, isn't it amazing that a baby can be in a womb for nine months? More than... 36 hours, and survive? And cannot God allow someone to be in the, a fish's belly? I don't care if it was nine months. He could do it if he wanted to. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. But we don't need any of those stories about finding this and that in a fish's belly because we believe that, you know, we would be surprised if miracles didn't happen. Because God is who He is. His power and His wisdom. His greatness. What would you expect if God walked on the earth? Miracles? Wouldn't you? Jonah was cast into the sea. They tried everything, didn't they? You ever been in a storm on, on, in a canoe or a boat? And you're trying, and you're trying, and you're trying. It's just, uh, when President Bush, you remember, had to, had to bail out of his airplane, 1940, what was that, 44? 
Um, he didn't have a paddle. An airplane above him saw him in the water. Remember, he had dropped a couple bombs on Chichi Jima. And they said, if you if you bail out, if you're shot down, you're as good as dead because the Japanese are gonna you're gonna be a prisoner of war, and they usually execute their prisoners. And his thought was, when his plane was hit and on fire, I'm gonna drop my 500-pound bombs. They were trying to destroy the radio towers on that little island, and. He didn't. He told his gunner and his radio man, "Don't jump yet, because if we jump too close to the island, we're as good as dead." So even he, oh, he had a an airplane on fire. He tried to fly out as far as possible so that at least he would be far enough away, perhaps, and not be um, captured. And which is indeed what happened. Uh, as he dropped an airplane that was in line to, to bomb, saw that, and they. They dropped, or I'm not sure, maybe the gunner or someone dropped their boat from the airplane. Whatever happened, the boat dropped near him, but he had no paddle. And the wind was blowing and the waves were blowing toward Chichijima. And he was doing all he could with his hands to get away from that island in three hours. He had no idea that they had radioed a submarine, his location. And he sees the periscope. And then he see he didn't know if it was Japanese or American, and they rescued him there. But I'm sure that that uh, uh, as Jonah was cast over, he didn't last very long on top of the water. He sank pretty quickly, and he went to his watery grave, if you will. And yet, little did he know it would be a a little bit more stinky of a grave in the whale's belly. Can you imagine? the wisdom and the power of God to tell a large fish. And the Bible says that God prepared that fish. What does that mean to you and me? He could have, if he wanted to, he could have created the fish on the spot. But if it was a fish indeed that was in, isn't it amazing? If he can call a fish to Peter's hook with a coin in it, knowing there are thousands of fish on the Sea of Galilee that don't have coins in them, he can certainly tell a fish whether it's Ten miles away to swim right over and just happens to be as Jonah was being wrapped around the seaweed that the fish swallowed him up. I believe in God, brother and sister. I believe God can do whatever He wants to do. Jesus was indeed carried to the sepulcher. Joseph was going to do it himself. There was, this seems like there was no one else who was willing to step forward. Not, not one apostle. And yet Nicodemus, the Pharisee, is in the shadows. You remember, he's the one that came to Jesus at night, and perhaps because he didn't want others to see him coming to the Savior. Now it's in the middle of the day. It's now three o'clock in the afternoon, and the sun now is shining brightly after three hours of darkness. And he comes out of the shadows and says, Joseph, let me help you. I believe that this dead Christ is my Savior. And in, the, in front of everybody, and no doubt scorning Pharisees, they carry Jesus to the tomb and lay him there on the shelf, on the, on the shelf in the wall of the tomb. And a stone is rolled to cover that hole in the tomb. So Jesus begins his life in a new womb, and he ends his life in a new tomb. 
to fulfill prophecy, to prove his death, and that indeed soon his soul, or his soul at that point had gone to heaven. That must have been such an an incredible time. Can you imagine being in heaven when Jesus died? And I wonder, all conversation no doubt had to stop. Have you ever been somewhere and there's all kinds of all kinds of conversation going on and all of a sudden something happens and everybody just quiets and turns their attention to that event, whether it could be uh, the emerging of some important person. And indeed an important person emerges in heaven, though bodiless. And all conversation stops and here's the one who made atonement for my soul. Think about Abel, Abraham, Esther, all the saints for, what, 4,000 years had been in heaven on credit for Jesus had not yet died. And they now see the one who dies for them paid in full. Now Jesus can say to those in heaven, as He said on the cross, paid in full, it is finished. What a Savior we have. Indeed, does this not begin His glorification? His soul is in heaven. He initiates glory. But what happens on earth is what tells us what we're told in Psalm 16. I don't know if any of you have smelled bodies that have died. Emergency personnel can tell us the awful, awful smell. I've never smelled as far as I can tell, a dead human body. But I know what it's like to have a dead chipmunk in a garage for about ten days. It stinks, and it's only about that big. But I'll tell you what, there was no stink coming from Jesus' grave. He suffered not His Holy One to see corruption. That's what it says. It means it. There was no decomposition. It was a miracle because the body had no soul in it. And a body that has no soul in it decomposes. It's just the way it is. I don't care how, how much you fill it with formaldehyde. It's going to decompose. Oh, it might take longer. I've heard of people being in the grave for... 50 years and they open it up and it's, you can still tell who it is. But Jesus had no formaldehyde in his veins. But Jesus had not one cell decompose in his dead body. The Father would not allow it. Just like the Father wouldn't. How, how do you explain that Jesus had no broken bones? when he went through a gauntlet of soldiers that punched him left and right. Isn't it amazing that God fulfills His Word no matter how seemingly impossible it is? The reality of His burial, it was real. He had a real body. He really died. He really did not decompose. What's the result of his burial? 
Oh, the result of burials today is sadness, memories. But that's as far as it goes. The result of Jesus' burial was not decomposition. It was not annihilation. It was not soul sleep. For He said, Into thy hands I commit my spirit. It was not reincarnation. As we see from His post-resurrection appearances, Jesus says, It is I, Myself. I'm not somebody else. It's Me that's come from the dead. Isn't it going to be wonderful and glory? And especially at the resurrection, we're going to see each other and say, Are we really here? Is that you, Rod? Is that you, Billy? Is that you, Justin? Is that you? It's me. <laughs> I hope you're happy to see me. <laughs> I'm happy to see you too. But Jonah's burial results in a resurrection. For the Lord commands the fish, and I imagine the fish was pretty happy to get the man out of the belly. Wouldn't you be happy to get something that upsets your stomach? I guess a, a disobedient prophet would cause a, a, a uh, upset stomach. But I don't know how far away from the eastern coast the fish was at the time that Jonah was cast overboard, but the fish had to do some, you know, some visiting because he had 36 hours to keep this luggage inside him. And, but sooner or later the Lord said, Drop him. And I, I, I imagine for the first time, I've been saved 40 years, but I imagine for the first time in my life, maybe there were some people there when the fish appears. And there were actually some witnesses. I can't prove it, but can you imagine, you know, fishing on the, in, in the shallows and, and, you're, and all of a sudden you, you see a big black bulge or whatever you would call it, what would what would all of a sudden it appears and and you back up and and everybody's staring at this fish and all of a sudden it says he vomited <laughs> and i imagine it, it wasn't a very good sight i'm sure that jonah had to take a bath uh in the water after he was exited from the fish's belly but his 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 Burial results in a resurrection. Jesus' burial results in a resurrection, brother and sister. His soul comes back from heaven into His body. And He could have rolled the stone away. He could have spoke the stone away. But Jesus likes to use butlers. He loves to use others to do what He can do Himself. And He said to an angel, you do it. But it's like he tells you and me, you know, he could preach to everybody in this world if he wanted to. If he could do it himself. And he says to you and me, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Isn't it kind of the Lord to do such wonderful work to see sinners saved? But what else resulted in Jonah's burial? The salvation of these mariners. These idolaters. Here's Jonah, 
a saved person being rebuked. You ever been rebuked for a, by a lost person for literally what we shouldn't be doing? Here are these idolaters saying, Why are you sleeping? You sleeper? You lazy man? Here we're in a, in a storm and we need your help. And Why aren't you praying? It isn't like the Lord says to the disciples, Why are you sleeping? I'm suffering. I'm going to suffer now. Watch and pray. These mariners are right, aren't they? You should be praying for us. We're going to die. And it, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray. But I often have to pray, God, forgive me for ceasing to pray for you that, I'm, that I have not taught the good in the right way. But it's an amazing thing that God uses what the devil means for evil, for good. Here are these mariners trying to do all they can to spare Jonah. He knows. I don't know how he knew, but he knew in his soul. And he said to them, if you cast me overboard, that's it. The storm's going to end. I believe that God is the God. and He was a monotheist and he preached the gospel. He preached the truth that my God is the God of the heavens and the earth, and the seeds. And all you have to do is cast me overboard. I'm a disobedient prophet. You cast me overboard, and it's a solution. And they thought they had a different solution, didn't they? We'll get to land. They had oars. They didn't have a motor, but they had oars. And finally, what do they say? Oh, God, forgive us. Forgive us. Oh, that we would hear people praying today that God would show them their weakness and their inability to save themselves and they would cry like the mariners to God, Oh God, save me! Save me, Lord! You know, that's what happened to me in the Towers dormitory. I had been preached to by my friends at Bishop Ludden High School. They were, they were saved men. They weren't Romanists anymore. But we were going to a Romanist high school. And I didn't have any time for them. Well, I'm in my dormitory as a freshman and I had an argument. You know, grown men argue. I mean, isn't it? Arguing is sin, isn't it? And he goes out, he slams the door. Think of who put it on your mind. I thought, oh, what a sinner I am to argue. What a sinner I am. It's like the little boy that was depressed. And the preacher said to him, What's the matter? He said, why are you sad? He said, because I wish my dad and mom wouldn't argue. That's what was bothering that little boy. I just looked in the air and I said, oh God, I remember saying this. We're grown men arguing. I need you. Help. That's all I, what else am I going to pray? I don't have a Bible. I don't know a Bible verse. But I know there's a God in heaven that can save arguing people. And he saved this wretched soul. And the mariners cried out to God, don't take it against us that we throw this man to his watery grave. What an amazing thing. Overboard he goes. How many seconds was it, brother and sister? You know how long it would take, humanly speaking, for 50-foot swells to finally become like glass on the Mediterranean? Take a half a day. Maybe a day or more. Can you imagine? He 
their faces. The Bible says that they made that they offered to God and made vows. What are they vowing? We will only worship you forever now. We believe in you. Those mariners were saved. And at the cross, the centurion is saved. A Gentile. The man, the, the, the one robber, the one thief, the one probably a murderer, not just a thief taking bubble gum or something, but a, a, a man that was, the Bible calls him an evil doer. forgot what the English word is, the What's the English word to describe those two men? The malefactor is the word evildoer. But think of this. Jonah goes to Nineveh. Now we're just given a, a condensed... You know, He didn't just say, yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's what we're given. It's a condensed version. But the point of that is, he preaches judgment. And we got to get that much. A preacher is not worth standing in the pulpit who never preaches judgment. Jonah preaches judgment. Now he wants to preach judgment. He's hoping they'll be judged. His heart is not right with God. And we can preach judgment with a bad heart, with a vindictive spirit. And I'm not saying that's only we, you know, people take out of context and say, the only thing that Jonah preached was judgment, so uh, that should be our diet, judgment. That's a false view of what, it's a condensed version. The point, he's preaching judgment because God is going to judge those who die without Christ, those who do not repent. And we are not faithful to God or to one another. We don't love people if we don't preach hell as well as heaven. And we don't preach against false doctrine as well as we preach true doctrine. But Jonah sees a city of Gentiles converted as he preaches the gospel and judgment to the Ninevites. Now you say, well, Jesus only appeared to believers for 40 days after he rose from the dead. True. But Jesus continues his prophetic work through the church, for all years until the end. So Jesus, like Jonah, is preaching the gospel and judgment to sinners while He's in heaven. He continues to exercise His prophetic, His priestly, and His kingly ministries to you and me. To reach all nations. Isn't that what Jesus said? Jonah reaches a a Gentile nation. And Jesus tells His disciples, go preach to all nations the Gospel. And so the believers preached to Rome. They preached to all the cities in Asia Minor and beyond. Spain, and now we have received the Gospel. Burial, an important link of death and resurrection speaks of the intermediate state of the soul. When a person is buried, his soul is somewhere. It's either heaven or hell. The body is held, prepared for the resurrection. But what resurrection? The resurrection of the just or the resurrection of the unjust? Jonah preached 
as a resurrected man. Jesus preaches through his apostles and people. Are we receiving his message? Are we, like the Ninevites, going to take his word seriously and humble ourselves before God and repent of our sins? There are a lot of people in church today because it's Easter Sunday. But I wonder, is it just going to be going through the motions, saving conscience, appeasing mom or dad? Or will they, like the mariners, say, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I didn't intend to be changed today. I just intended to go to church on Easter. It was the thing to do. But I need Christ. I need forgiveness. I need eternal life. I need hope. I need help. And Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. He's raised from the dead. He can save me. He loves me. Amen.